0: Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by...
1: It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank.
0: Hi, Peter. How are you? Uh, Very well, very well.
1: Uh, We were just discussing the, the added bonus sound effect of the seagulls outside.
0: Yeah, which probably will leave in for atmosphere.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: This is another one of those episodes where we're going to dive into looking in quite a lot of detail at one particular investigator. If you're a long-time listener to Drawn to the Flame, you might have wondered if we were ever going to do any more of those investigator-specific episodes, and we are, and this is going to be one right now. So, of course, if you're preparing yourself to combat the mythos and you want to tool up with as much knowledge and as much brawn and probably a weapon or two and generally be as robust as possible for facing the mythos, obviously your first choice investigator would be the urchin Wendy Adams. So that's who we're going to talk about today. Nice, nice. Nicely done there. (laughs) Thank you. So we've not yet talked about a survivor investigator. Uh, So this gives us a chance as well to think more generally about the survivor pool. Although we have done an Agnes episode and Agnes can take some survivor cards. So, yeah, Peter, tell me a little bit about Wendy, what she does, her deck building restrictions, those sort of things.
1: So Wendy is a, she has, well, deck building, she's a survivor, so she can take survivor cards of any level, as yeah. as you're very happy to say, Frank. Uh, we don't have any survivor cards beyond level three. Yeah, yeah. So that survivor five there is just taunting us at the moment. Yeah, yeah. She could also take rogue cards up to level two, and then she has unique asset which is her pendant, and then also uh, her weakness, abandoner and
0: alone. So we'll look at those two cards in a moment.
1: Yep. Yeah. So her, should we just quickly look at her stats and her ability? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So she has willpower four, intellect three, combat one, and agility four. Just looking at those stats for a second. She must be one of the only people with a stat at
0: one, isn't she? The only one, yeah, that we know of. It's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say um, Mark Harrigan. When things are going badly for him, drops down to an intellect of one. But apart from that, yeah, I can't think of any anyone else. It's really, it's really quite striking, isn't it? It's a stat line that you look at, and it's the it's the negative that stands out first. I'd never I'd never look at Wendy and I'm like, ooh, yeah, four will, can't wait to play that. I always look at Wendy and go, ooh, one combat. So it, it's sort of obvious in its absence, as it were, and it, it must have a big effect on approaching, you know, on, on your mindset for playing Wendy.
1: Yes, uh, you're either going to have to find a very efficient way to make her good at fighting or find a, a way to use the rest of her stat line to avoid fighting altogether.
0: Yeah. And that is definitely where the Survivor Rogue cards come in.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not impossible to build someone like that. Uh, I think we'll see that as we talk more about Wendy. Uh, She has 7 health and 7 sanity, so she's got a nice balanced uh, stat block, or health block. And then her ability is, when uh, it's a reaction, when you reveal a Chaos token, choose and discard one card from your hand, cancel that Chaos token and return it to the bag. Reveal a new Chaos token Limit once per test. And then her Elder Sign Effect plus zero. If Wendy's amulet is in play, you automatically, automatically succeed instead. So her, her ability, in my opinion,
0: is very strong indeed. Yeah, I, I would probably say that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so it's hard to emphasize enough how strong that ability is. And I think we'll talk about it in more detail. But if you're listening now to the podcast thinking well is it that good please let us try and convince you about how powerful it is that you are allowed to take two bites at a test apple rather than only one
1: i think so someone on, on the reddit has done a a chaos bar calculator so you, we, we could dive into the numbers if you wanted frank but i think you can people can see that for themselves uh if you, you consider yeah. say you've got oh, I, I can't even do it in my head uh but but it it doubles nearly your your chance of success. Yeah. So, you know, all those times you're sitting there saying, oh, anything but a tentacle and I'm fine, and then you pull the tentacle. Well, now you've got a, a second chance. Just don't don't say anything but a tentacle yeah. again.
0: Yeah, precisely, precisely. And that, I mean, that's that's part of it. So my feeling is we don't need to necessarily go into the numbers themselves, but one of the broad rules of thumb is that if you get to take the test a second time, you can decide not to overcommit resources because it's not a must-pass test. And playing on standard, if you're at two above a test in the normal bag, you're normally at about a 75% chance of passing. And you can, if you commit to plus three or plus four, you're normally eliminating only one or two tokens from the bag. So you are getting a, a greater chance of success, but you're not... You're not getting rid of as many risky tokens as just getting to plus two allows. What Wendy then permits you to do is to just get to plus two for a test and take a chance with it, knowing that you have a high chance of success, but also knowing that if something goes wrong and you pick one of those three or four tokens that are going to mess you up, you can try again.
1: She also turns a test which might be more of a risk, so say... At either at difficulty or one above, and turn it into something a bit more reliable than the other investigators. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you're fishing for you know that that plus one or or a zero to pass a test, you get you get another try at it if you really need that. Certainly. The other thing I think that's really striking about her front page, her her, her information is the elder sign effect there, where her elder sign effect is a plus zero. We've seen other other. Uh, investigators who have plus zero so that's not in itself a shock but then it has this incredible ability that if her amulet is in play you automatically succeed instead so i'll read out the amulet and we'll talk a little bit about that so it's a two-cost asset it's unique it's wendy's amulet it has two wild icons so it's the equivalent of an unexpected courage it's item and relic traded and it takes up the accessory slot it's her deck only you may play the topmost event in your discard pile as if it were in your hand. Forced, after you play an event, place it on the bottom of your deck instead of in your discard pile. So this is a bananas card. Yes. Yeah. The most potent card we have that allows uh, recursion of anything. So there is there are other cards that allow recursion, like scavenging. But Wendy's amulet, I think, is the most powerful one. And it's pretty cheap at two. But I also think that what's so striking about it is exactly that thing that if you have it in play, one of the things it does is it also means that if she draws an Elder Sign, she can be minus four on a test, but she immediately passes it instead. And Roland Banks's gun doesn't allow... It gives him a big boost, but it doesn't change what his Elder Sign is doing. And in fact, I don't think any of the other investigators gain some bonus to 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 what they're doing with the chaos bag. It's only Wendy. And yeah. while you might not want to be taking tests at huge numbers below the the target, saying, well, I've got my eminent in play. You know, you shouldn't bank on pulling an Elder Sign. It does just lead to some really useful plays and moments. The times that I've had the most joy with that is when I've drawn something like Visions of Future's Past, where... It's a Will 5 test and I don't have Beyond the Veil out and I don't mind maybe discarding a couple of cards, but I don't want to commit lots of cards to try and pass it and I definitely don't want to be throwing a card away to redraw a token and then you draw an Elder Sign and you know all of those considerations go out of the window anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think the only downside, sometimes you see Wendy players worrying about the order they discard things in so that they never want to get stuck with an event they can't play on the top of their discard pile because then yes. all the ones below it are, are, are stuck so they're sometimes desperately looking for an opportunity to play you know look what i found that's on the top of their their this look what pile i found so can...
0: exactly what i was going to say yeah that you may have you sometimes i've chucked it just for the the two intellect icons as well or or chucked it just to retake a test, and then I need to find a location where I can fail an uh, investigation check so that I can play it to get rid of it. The, the other thing to note, of course, which I think is now fairly well understood, so the topmost event in your discard pile is it, treated as though it's in your hand for the purpose of playing it, but you can't, you can't discard the topmost card in your discard pile to retake a test or anything like that. You can't commit that card to test. It's just that you can play it as an event but but the the other thing is that if you play events from your hand once the amulet is out they're also going underneath your deck so that forced effect it's not after you play an event from your discard pile it's just after you play an event anyway anyhow
1: speaking of you you mentioned it briefly there but this does make her more or less immune to beyond the veil doesn't it
0: yeah if you can find enough things to to play you can just keep Keep cycling events and keep topping up the bottom of your deck. As long as there wasn't something that somehow removed cards from the discard pile, that I think could prove...
1: Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but where would such a card come from? Just briefly, before before we move on, the other card I think is really cool in the Dunwich cycle is Professor uh, Professor Armitage. Is it Professor Armitage or Dr.
0: Armitage? But it's, yeah. Professor,
1: Professor Armitage.
0: No. Dr. Arma- Doctor Armitage. Professor Rice, Dr. Armitage. Yeah.
1: Yes, doc- Dr. Henry Armitage, the head librarian. Yeah, so, so this is a, a card you can pick up right near the start of the Dunwich campaign. And he has an ability which is reaction after you draw a card, discard that card and exhaust Dr. Henry Armitage, gain three resources. So what, what yeah. he can do in Wendy is, say, you draw an emergency cash, you use Henry Armitage to discard it and gain three resources... And then you play it as normal from your discard pile, goes back underneath, and then you gain another three resources. So it turns any card into another emergency cash or any event into another emergency cash.
0: Yes. And for any other investigator, you go, know, but why would I want to throw away my really good cards just for three resources? You know, I've already got ways of getting resources in my deck apart from emergency cash, which is it's a no-brainer to discard. But for Wendy... Because the discard pile doesn't hold the same sort of permanence of losing the card, it can be really useful. You can. I've also used it for things like "Look what I found" or even some of the more tricksy rogue events that we'll get onto, where you need the resources to play those cards as well as having them available to play. So you can chuck "Look what I found" for three resources, and then you know that in your next turn you're going to be investigating at a high shroud location that you'll probably fail, and you've generated the money you need to then be able to play it really powerful i think already we're starting to note that events are obviously very important for wendy and this play around her discard pile how you interact with that becomes really important which i think is a real hallmark of the survivor faction that they're good at making use out of things that other players would think have been dealt with they're able to reuse and and make the most of that
1: should we talk then just briefly about her weakness card? Yes. Because we've set the context for it now. So this is Abandoned and Alone. It's a, it's a, a madness weakness, and it has Revelation. Take two direct horror and remove all cards in your discard pile from the game. So this, this can either be do nothing at all, or it can be incredibly annoying if you're all set up yep. with
0: your amulet ready to start recycling events. Definitely. So when you were actually talking about her stack line, that seven health, seven sanity, I think of Wendy as a seven five. Yeah, because you never know when this is going to show up. You never know when it's going to show up, and it's it's a two direct horror. It's not something where if you've got Peter Sylvester out or Henry Armitage or whoever else, you can you can farm that off. You know, at some point, I will definitely be taking two horror as Wendy, I and mean, almost always I'll see abandon Alone. and often I w- often it's one of the treacheries that I want to see as early as possible. You know, I feel like that rule about that you have to discard treacheries from your opening hand and redraw those cards is actually to stop the Wendy players saying, okay, cool, I'll start on two horror and I'll put this in my discard pile straight away. You know, if I draw this as my first card, that suits me very well.
1: Uh, annoyingly, it does stick around in your uh, your discard pile once it's it's fired as well.
0: Yes, it does. So... That, again, is where if you've got the amulet down and you're putting events on the bottom of your deck, that's a way of avoiding ever running out of deck and having to shuffle and Alone back in. So if there's anything you can do to sort of prolong having to see it twice, that can be really useful. Yes. It's a really nasty card. It can, it can be scenario ending, I think. It can hit at just the time where you've maybe got a couple of events sitting in your discard pile that you're thinking about using... Or even if you don't have the amulet down, just if you're banking on putting the amulet down at some point, yeah. suddenly you you have to take a look and go right. Well, there's a lucky in there that's gone. There's a look what I found in there that's gone, mm. and you know, an oops or whatever else it is you're playing a bait and switch. These you know exciting survivor events, and they're all they're all not going to be used anymore, and you have to sort of factor that in. Okay, so I think we have a sense here of Wendy not very good at combat. Pretty beefy willpower and agility, able to to take tests repeatedly, or at least twice, and a really strong streak that says events are good for her. What does that suggest to you in terms of deck style or archetype provided by Wendy?
1: Well, the the card pool is interesting from the get-go. It's Rogue and Survivor. Survivor, I think, is the while you associate most of the classes with a particular stat, so rogue agility, guardian combat, seeker intellect, and uh, mystic is willpower. Survivors yeah. are the, the the dark horses. They're the, the the wild card. Yeah. So they're already got a certain amount of flexibility there. The rogue card pool also tends to lend you a bit more flexibility as well. Cards that let you. Well, ad- adaptable for a start. Yeah, which Wendy can take. Yeah, and then things like extra actions, which are very generically useful. So I think it's it's a very good, flexible card pool she's got.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to strongly agree, and there are cards in there that seem to just lean towards flexibility. So things like elusive as well, which is you know I think probably probably the strongest rogue event. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that allowing you to. Move anywhere that's been revealed, and and ditch a bunch of enemies if you need to. In Wendy, the possibility of of playing elusive and then using it again and moving a, a a second time is is very powerful. That I suppose is the the consideration that Wendy puts onto deck building that other investigators don't put on, which is how many times do you want to use these events? And whereas Agnes can take two copies of Lucky and that she's going to only use two of them, Wendy can take two copies of Lucky and essentially use them perhaps four times or more if she can draw into them again, depending on how, whether she gets the amulet down and whether she needs them and things like that. So she adds this this uh, dose of value to any event that she runs.
1: So so we can, we can either go the route of being more agile and evading enemies, which a lot of the rogue cards help us do. So we've got, Things like Elusive and Cat Burglar. Yeah. And then we can take advantage of this with cards like Sneak Attack. Yeah, definitely. We also have things like Stray Cat in uh, in the Survivor faction, which help us.
0: And the big man on campus, Peter Sylvester.
1: Of course, yeah. Nice agility boosts as well. That's right. Or we can start to pick up some of the Survivor... like Cards like uh, Fire Axe give you a big boost to your combat. Baseball bat yeah. does as well. You can turn her into, <laughs> or t- sends her up to three, <laughs> which isn't great. Yeah. <laughs> but the heady heights of three combat. That's right. Yeah. She can, I suppose, use something like scrapper as well once she picks that up. She can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and note on baseball bat. One of the you know there's, there are many drawbacks to that card, but one of them is that if you draw a skull or a tentacle, you discard it after the attack. Wendy can draw a skull and say, well, actually, I'm going to really need to make another attack after this. I'm going to throw this other card away and redraw that. And her ability to redraw tokens, it means you don't count the first token you saw as uh, ever being seen at all. So it's not that the skull has happened and been revealed and you're going to need to take your punishment. The skull never came out. It didn't happen. (laughs) You're now drawing for the first time, which is, again... Pretty powerful. So there's a I'm glad you mentioned Baseball Bat because there's a deck list called the The Girl Who Killed Umodoth. Yeah. And it's set out from the point of can Wendy complete scenario three of the Knight of the Zealot defeating Umodoth with damage rather than racing through it and just doing the investigation resolution of that scenario. And so this deck builder has sort of reverse engineered a deck to reliably hit Umordoth enough to do the damage that is needed to, to kill him. And although Wendy has one combat, which would seem like quite the handicap for doing that, she has other abilities like the token redrawing ability and the, the cocktail of cards that she can take between Rogue and Survivor that allow her to have this sort of power turn. And I think the hallmark card there is Will to Survive, yeah, yeah. That's a 3 XP, 4 cost survivor event that says that for your turn, you don't need to draw chaos tokens when you take tests.
1: So, so not only do you only need to boost... Well, you you only need to boost to the exact level of the test, don't you? Yes. So not only do you, you think, oh, all it lets you do is know that you survive, so actually it saves you money and resources over the whole turn because you're only going up to the actual level of the test rather than aiming over it yeah yeah
0: you're not you're also not committing extra cards to redraw tokens where you've messed up on a test you don't even need to to think about that and as we've already said in wendy paying three experience for one will to survive if you can play it right you can play it on one turn and then the following turn put your amulet down and play it again and you can get you know uh, five or six Tests where you don't need to draw tokens, which is incredible. Um, If you've not played with Will to Survive yet, uh, I really heartily recommend it. It's probably one of the most fun cards for just sort of bananas clutch plays. Played it before as well in Ashcan Pete, where you're really wrestling with some nasty enemy, and then yeah, you drop Will to Survive, and Duke just goes to town on them. It's really satisfying.
1: We found it great in combo with double or nothing as well, which is a which is a wendy yeah. staple because you know even though you double the difficulty, you know exactly where you've got to go to for the test. And it's usually quite a high impact impact round. Yeah. So something like a backstab, a double or nothing backstab, uh when you've got scrapper out, although it costs a fair bit of money. Once you have that money you know exactly that you're gonna do X amount of damage.
0: And it yeah, it's gonna be six six damage with the double or nothing. If you've thrown in say, a couple of quick thinkings, which is another rogue skill that if you pass by two or more, you're getting more actions, you can you can plan for that as well, where you say, right, you know I'll do one test where I'm two up, and both of the quick thinkings will fire, and that will leave me with another four actions this turn you can you can start to pile in these little packets of of different cards. If you've got a lucky in hand as well, you can actually float along two below a test and then still pass it. All of those cards in combination start to lead to these really powerful burst turns where the Urchin is suddenly the Destroyer. Yeah. That leads to this this interesting point that the way that Wendy is going to be defeating enemies is probably not the conventional combat check after combat check. If you're using Fire Axe, the danger of ending up in that Fire Axe hole for Wendy is quite it's quite a severe one because she's relying on having resources to play her events. You know, Look what I found is two cost. Chance Encounter is one cost. Backstab is three. Elusive is two. Lucky is one. Will Survive is four. You know, All of that adds up that she wants enough resources to be able to play the events repeatedly. And while Fire Axe is probably the most efficient way of getting her up to a reasonable combat, it's not going to be... I often find I'm not using it for lots of damage. And certainly when I play Wendy solo, it's there for helping me kill things like rats. It's not there for three actions, trying to do six damage or something like that. Because she just she just can't afford to keep going up to seven combat. So I just mentioned solo, and I the majority of the times that I've played with Wendy, I've played in pure solo, just Wendy. I've played through the core set, with Wendy, uh, very successfully, if I may say so myself. And I've now played through Dunwich pure solo with Wendy to a very satisfying conclusion as well. The other card that I think is so powerful for Wendy in solo is Lone Wolf. It's such a simple card. If you're by yourself at the start of the investigation phase, you gain an extra resource. But it becomes such a powerhouse for her and I, I built a Lone Wolf Wendy deck that was very event heavy. I think it had 14 events in the deck. And Lone Wolf was really the the engine that fueled that deck throughout the campaign. It makes her into, into Jenny. You know, it's Jenny levels of resources. And yeah, it it sort of, I'd almost say it, it skews the calculations to such a degree that it's, yeah, it's just incredibly powerful.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. My impression would be, I haven't played much Wendy, and I don't play much solo. I yeah. generally only play multiplayer. But my impression would be Wendy is a very strong solo investigator to pick. She's got a lot of the hallmarks of someone who's very good at being solo.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think with four will and four agility, you know, those are commonly considered to be the two defensive statistics. So that means the spine of her character from the get-go, she's probably going to be able to handle most of what the encounter deck is throwing at her and then as long as you've put in enough attention for her investigation and and a banking cards for some kind of a, a combo turn for dealing with an enemy you're in a good place straight away one of the things that i enjoy the most about playing wendy solo is that you get a lot of quite enjoyable decision points with her if you draw an enemy even if it's something like, say, a Whippoorwill or a Thrall or something fairly straightforward, you know, um, an acolyte, you have this nice decision point. Am I going to go and, and deal with that? And how am I going to deal with it? Am I going to evade it, then sneak attack it? Or am I going to run in and use a Fire Axe? Or what, you know, what am I going to do here? And often for Wendy, the right choice is I'm going to leave that and I'm going to move on. <laughs> and she has enough mobility that she can often do that. Or it might be, you know, a single evade and then move on. It leads to a very enjoyable play experience where, from turn to turn, you have these these interesting decisions. And yeah, I found it very rewarding. Actually, it's it's not to say that other other investigators are boring to play as; they're not at all. But the experience of drawing from the encounter deck as Roland, where I'm basically saying, "Give me an enemy, give me an enemy," because it'll get me a clue, and as Wendy, where I'm already ready with all sorts of tricks to kind of avoid or move around. Yeah, it can be deeply entertaining. I
1: I absolutely agree with that. I think that we've got a a player locally who loves playing as Wendy. And it's because he loves having a handful of tricks. And he's he's very much one of these people where a situation comes up in the game. He's like, "Ooh, just give me a minute to think. And then he'll sit there and he'll go, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. And then he'll throw down three cards and suddenly he's solved all the problems. Yeah if you if you enjoy that almost like comboing and, and and always having a little bit of a trick up your sleeve if you enjoy that Wendy is absolutely the right investigator for you to have a look at.
0: She's the hallmark of the sort of plucky urchin who has a a box full of tricks and learnt all these lessons you know when you you, you can also take cards for her like close call, which is not you know widely considered a strong card, but if you're going to be evading it like adds another element to your evasion game where you're like, okay, well if I evade this enemy I can pay two and just get rid of them and they're not, you know, I don't want them hunting me so I'll just do that. For instance, it's a fantastic way of dealing with Nightcorns, because you don't want to do four damage to a nightcorn. and she's yeah. going to be able to evade them almost certainly. Yeah, so you end up with this this box of tricks that she has and as long as you've filled your hand that can be really good. That, I think, is another that leads us back to one of the risks of wendy which is keeping enough cards in her mind. exactly yeah
1: neither the survivor nor the rogue factions have much draw acceleration
0: i i, I don't know what you would do
1: you could do stuff like if you, if you double or nothing the uh the core skill cards <laughs> you can draw extra cards yeah or or use your extra extra actions from leo and quick thinking to keep drawing but yeah. it, it's generally quite hard to to be very efficient in drawing cards.
0: The the other two options are pickpocketing, which obviously requires you to have played it, and then to be evading enemies, so it can be a bit of a dead card. And then rabbit's foot. Mm-hmm. Rabbit's foot is great given Wendy's redraw ability as well. If you have rabbit's foot down, you take a test, you fail, you think, well, I'm still going to get a card out of this. Do I really want to chuck a card? But it, if you're not failing tests, it can be really difficult. And Rabbit's Foot competes with Wendy's amulet for that accessory slot. So if you're sure that at some point you're putting down the amulet, sometimes I've put down Rabbit's Foot and not failed enough tests to really make it worthwhile. And maybe I would have liked it more just for the wild icon.
1: You can certainly, we've had success with her in teams with uh, Daisy uh, and with Guardians as well, using Stand Together. Okay,
0: so using yeah, using other factions to fuel her draw.
1: Yeah. You find, for instance, with Daisy, when Daisy's set up, so she's got uh, maybe a spell and then a couple of books and then her investigating tools, she doesn't need a supply of cards as much as Wendy does. Wendy wants a constant stream of cards through the game. So after the yep. initial burst of cards that, that you need as a seeker, you can then start to support daisy uh, support wendy rather yeah
0: and and hope she hasn't drawn uh, amnesia as a weakness well yeah, that i mean that's a really good point There's some some weaknesses for wendy can be really tricky a paranoia at the wrong time can turn off all of her event play yeah and if she ends up with any of the enemy basic weaknesses that can be really tricky as well because Although she can evade enemies, you don't always want to be running into heavy traffic with enemies. That can be an easy way of her getting bogged down. A lot of
1: people seem to say that Wendy isn't very strong. She's quite weak. My experience has always been the opposite. I think yours has been the same as well. Why do you think there's some people
0: who who don't really get what Wendy can do? That's a really good question. It's probably a combination of factors. I think seeing that one combat is definitely a a negative mark next to her name for a lot of people. I think until you've played with that reaction ability of hers, it's hard to gauge just how powerful it is. And it's only when you're playing where you feel you can kind of be bumbling your way through because you know you can just retake tests that it starts to really come into its own.
1: I have seen people say that they've played as Wendy and then they forgot she had the ability which, yeah. which is crazy considering how strong that ability
0: is. It's the same thing I saw with, with people playing as Pete and forgetting that they could chuck a card to ready Duke. I think it's a, maybe a thing that it because because that's a, a survivor specific ability, throw a card away to do something, if you're not used to playing them, you're not you're not used to that idea that the cards in your hand are not just cards that you can play, but they're also fuel for some other ability. And it it can be quite hard, I think, when you first start out playing as Wendy to know what's worth throwing away. If you've got a fire axe in hand and you need to pass a test, you're like, "Well, but that's my only weapon, and I need I need to play it."
1: It needs a certain mindset to treat the cards in your hand as as fuel for for other abilities. Yeah, uh, and I think w- when when you get there and realise if something isn't going to be useful in the next few turns or isn't useful now, then I can get rid of it. And it, survive, survivors potentially have ways to get that back. We've actually seen some more tools for survivors to use recursion coming up as well. So, I mean, even at the moment, stuff like scavenging you could use uh, and Wendy's pendant. Uh, Amulet, amulet. I keep on saying pendant. Wendy's amulet. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. There isn't any pendants in the game, is there? Penchant for pendant. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think people, if you're using Wendy, you need to be using that ability, her ability, quite freely And if you're not using it freely, then potentially push yourself more, as Wendy, to take riskier tests. Yes. Or or commit fewer things to a test so
0: that you have the opportunity to use her ability. It's a natural extension of this idea that when you have a card in hand, it already has two abilities. It has the ability if you play it and it has the ability if you commit it. And uh, newer players to the game might feel uncomfortable you know say throwing a dynamite blast for the, for its willpower icon because they can look at it and go but this is such a powerful card it does does damage to everyone at one location i'm going to hold on to that and actually then taking that next step it's one of the steps i think to improving as an arkham player is being able to look at what the conditions of the scenario are and then reevaluate the cards in your hand for, for what use they have for committing so in Wendy, when you have look what I found, if you're playing solo, there might not be any locations that have two clues. It mm. might just be one of those locations where it's all one per investigator locations. At which point, look what I found might be more useful for its two intellect icons than it is for being held to play. What Wendy then also asks you to do is add a third layer to that, which is also the as we talked about the her reaction ability. But getting into that mindset as an Arkham player more generally okay, I could chuck this for the icons, okay, I'm going to hold on to it. it, is, I think, a really good step in the right direction to to understanding Wendy as well. It's just that she has a third option. The other thing to note is that events often have pairs of icons, normally non-matching, apart from look what I found. And so that gives them anyway a lot of flexibility. So if you're playing an event-heavy deck in Wendy... You've got all these different icons that you can be committing, but also if your events end up in your discard pile, you could use your amulet to then replay them. So it adds all these sort of layers of nuance that I don't think are particularly obvious at first glance. I certainly didn't didn't think they were obvious. The other The other challenge, this is just a sort of side point, is it's quite hard to know when to play the amulet and you can hold on to it and then end up having it discarded out of your hand for some reason or... You can see it too early and put it down, and and then you're not getting the, sort of the optimum reuse out of events because the ideal is that you've played four or five into your discard pile, then you've played the amulet, and then you've reused that four and five, four or five, and that you know the ideal doesn't always happen. So I think that can be a bit of a boundary for for playing as Wendy.
1: She's got a sweet spot, hasn't she? That she wants she wants a nice juicy set of targets for the amulet, but then. Yeah, she doesn't want to wait too, so, yeah. Yeah, too late and, and end up having to commit it or something like that. I, I remember there's a f- there've been a few memorable games where our Wendy player has been deciding whether... Has, has got beyond the veil and is deciding whether or not to dig through the last few cards in the deck that he knows that the amulet is in to see if he can get it down before he has to recycle. Yeah. Or whether to just yeah. stop and use those remaining cards as, as buffer for any milling effects.
0: And that's where we've seen a new seeker card that allows you to search through a portion of your deck that's where that becomes really useful for that really targeted card choice where in a wendy deck you don't want a lot of specific cards you want but you really do want to find the amulet at some point and weighing up how much you build towards your whole game plan falling apart if you don't get the amulet versus really optimizing how much potential it can give you is is kind of entertaining and and enjoyable
1: yeah there's 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 certainly a category of investigators who whose signature assets or cards are really key for them jim is another example jim really wants that trumpet out as soon as possible
0: yes yeah yeah that's a, a very good example actually Wendy doesn't necessarily want it out as soon as possible. She just wants to see it and know where it is, and <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, have it in your hand, feeling happy about it. As long as you don't have amnesia, obviously. Unless, but you know, amnesia—you dump a load of events when you draw it and keep hold of the amulet and then play the amulet and replay the event. You know, there are yeah. worse things that can happen. So, I suppose the last thing that's worth talking about is is the upgrading path for Wendy. And we've touched on a couple of strong cards. So, will to survive is incredible in Wendy. Cat burglar is a really incredibly strong card as well. So even if you're thinking, oh, "I'll just take Leo," definitely, I'd say have a look at Cat burglar. You get the plus one agility, and you also get an action that allows you to leave enemies behind. And although she's great at evading, sometimes you just you want that spare action to you know one push off, two grab a clue, three move even further away, or whatever it is, or I don't think I'm ever sad to see Cat Burglar in an opening hand as Wendy. It's just, yeah, it's it's a brilliantly strong card. And I think an underrated one because it's competing with Leo De Luca.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I think most of the Wendy builds I've seen tend to pick up charisma
0: because there's a lot of allies she likes having as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Weirdly, I think Stray Cat is an all right fit for her because it's cheap and it just gives you a free evasion. And I think... You know, you'd say, but why give a free evasion to someone who's good at evading anyway? And it's just for that flexibility. It's also a, an agility icon, which is useful for when you're landing that big backstab or whatever else it is that you're doing. They're worth thinking about. Cat Capogolla will to survive.
1: Well, the, the ones that jump out to me are are the, the upgraded key events for her. So emergency, emergency cash and lucky. The upgrades on both yeah. of those let you draw a card, so they replace yourself in your hand. Which is great for Wendy, because she wants to keep as many cards as possible in her hand. She wants to keep that flow of cards, yeah. Yeah, and then they become even more powerful once we've got the uh, the amulet out as well. So, you know, you play cash once for, th- for for three resources and a card. Bearing in mind you've had to draw the card, the emergency cash, to begin with anyway. Then when it comes back from your, your discard pile, you get another card. Yes, starts to just really add value. Yeah, which 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 feels really good. If if you're you're multiplying the value of those cards uh, because you're playing them more often with Wendy, theoretically. So I think they're they're both good choices for upgrades. They do the upgrade does something Wendy wants, and she can she
0: can really benefit from them. Yeah, yeah. Then there's there's there were all the exile cards in Survivor that are certainly worth looking at. So I think that. The strongest ones there for me. Fire extinguisher, I'm not so wild about. But flare, if you're running any strong ally, could be very useful.
1: My friend's a big fan of Pete, and every deck that can take him, to be honest, I'm a big fan of Pete.
0: Yeah, you're a huge fan of Pete. Yeah, but but
1: But, but keeping the your sanity topped up using Pete uh, feels very good in Wendy because you know you've got that two direct horror lurking somewhere in your deck. Yes,
0: yeah. So any excess horror is going on Pete so that when you hit that two direct horror, you're not in a really uncomfortable position. And then the other exile card that I think is particularly strong is Stroke of Luck, which is 2 XP for a wild icon. And the reason I think this is so, so strong is it says, after revealing chaos tokens for this test, you may choose to exile Stroke of Luck. If you do, this test is automatically successful unless a tentacle token was revealed. And as we know, (laughs) Wendy can redraw if she sees tokens that she doesn't want to see during tests, and they don't count as being revealed. So with Stroke of Luck committed, you could take a test, draw a tentacle, redraw it, and if you draw a minus four and you're still failing, then exile Stroke of Luck and pass. Or if your redraw draws you to a a zero and you've passed, then Stroke of Luck has given you that, that nice plus one and it's useful in your deck. I think it's an incredible card. I think people are really put off by the exile effect. But I don't think I've I think I've exiled stroke of luck once in all I've probably committed it to 10 tests, 15 tests. It's very rare that actually the exile is the bit that that happens. And certainly it's the sort of thing that going into a final scenario it's it's worth the 2 XP
1: especially sticking it into a test with double or nothing.
0: Yeah, exactly. You can add it to these tests where you you really want to pass, and and it gives you a little boost, but also it, it guarantees a much bigger effect happening. You know, in combination with Will to Survive, it's great as well because if you're taking a taking a test without drawing a token and you're just using it for the plus one to get you up to evens, then you're, you're not having to exile it. So yeah, it's just another another flexible plus one in your hand. You mentioned adaptable. I think adaptable is really good in Wendy changing two level zero cards scenario to scenario I found over eight scenarios that I I bought it after I think the first and I made two changes every single time not not because things weren't working necessarily but just playing with that makeup of how many backstabs and how many sneak attacks are in the deck and then certainly most recently when I played I ended up putting in a red-gloved man so I wanted two chance encounter in the deck to make the most out of the Red Glove Man, which is another little sort of play that shouldn't be allowed, but is just incredible. So yeah, having that ability to anyway be playing a tool, toolbox style deck, but also be able to change which tools are in the toolbox is yeah, incredibly good fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I'm always jealous when uh, when I see another player just using adaptable to swap their cards around, and it's
0: just all the more all the more annoying when they're not even a rogue. <laughs> yes yeah when it's wendy yeah great so listener if you feel there's anything that we've not covered about wendy as we always say we're not trying to be the definitive full discussion about any given investigator we're just trying to share with you our impressions and our experiences but if there's something if you have a question about wendy or you feel that there's a card that really strong wendy card that we should have mentioned why not send us a message we're drawn to the flame at gmail.com or we draw to the flame podcast at gmail.com we're on facebook as drawn to the flame we're on twitter as drawn to the flame peter where can people find you
1: i'm everywhere as United. so that's u-n-i-t-l-e-d i'm on twitter i'm on discord i'm on
0: yeah everything and i'll usually have a super meat boy avatar so say hello if you see me and i'm around the places um fb E-P-H underscore b-e-e and also zui glass and zozo and various other names i post on the Fancy flat games forum and the board game geek forum for arkham horror so by all means say hello in conclusion try out wendy if you want to have lots of different branching paths. if you want to have a really event heavy deck that can be really responsive to the encounter deck and if you want to be a little urchin kicking the things of the mythos in the nuts so
1: just wanted to give a special thank you to a couple of people First of all, to uh, S. F. Rembrandt, who's uh, Ben is his real name. Once again, thank you for the for the logo. The listeners probably won't know this, but I, I'm I'm getting married soon, and Frank and Ben conspired to make me a special King in Yellow poster as a wedding gift. So uh, I'm going to be getting a frame for that and. Uh, try and put a picture up on the Facebook or something when
0: I've, when I've managed to do that. So thank you both. What, what says happy marriage, if not a <laughs> poster for a play that drives you insane?
1: <laughs> Secondly, just a thank you to Nathan, who dropped us an email with some, some really interesting stuff in it. Just lots of feedback and uh, various ideas he's had. So we'll be diving a bit more deeply into some of the things he suggested, which actually are things we've been thinking about as well. But yeah, th- th- thanks, Nathan, for taking the time. Uh, if you've got, if you want to email us, just, you know, you've got thoughts about the podcast or about the game, just want to chat, you know, the email address, just drop us an email. Uh, we'll we'll read everything that comes in. So
0: thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And on the horizon, in terms of new episodes, we've got all sorts of things that we want to get time to record. It, of course, the aforementioned nuptials might get slightly in the way of some recording, but particularly with the advent of the Path to Carcosa and with the player cards for that being revealed at Gen Con, which has just happened this past weekend. We've got a couple of things lined up for when Path to Carcosa arrives. I won't be doing my usual first look because I already know the cards, unfortunately. But we've got something else that I think will be better, ready to go. So as soon as that's on sale for for the general public, we'll put those episodes up. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening. Thanks.